Hallelujah. Well, I know I saw on Facebook that uh, McKinley's wrestling this weekend. Isn't it something like the Worlds or something like that in Reno? And uh, tonight he's wrestling in the finals. So uh, <clears throat> I know we're not supposed to pray for somebody to win, but <laughs> I, I think for McKinley we can do that. Amen. So we just believe he's going to do well tonight. And uh, <clears throat> my neighbor Christy is here with us today. And uh, she's got her little baby with her. And uh, uh, she was going to come, but then she wasn't going to be able to come because her baby wasn't feeling well last night. And, but she, she came. And so I just want everybody to extend your faith that way. We're just praying for her little one. And we just declare in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, she is whole. She is healed by the stripes of Jesus that no weapon that's been formed against her or that household shall prosper in Jesus' name for the greater one heals her and delivers her right now in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees with that says, Amen. Amen. And the Bible says where two or three agree is touching anything, it shall be done. And we got more than that, so that baby is healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I know Will and Bridget are here someplace and... <clears throat> I missed a great opportunity. I wanted to introduce a fourth generation here with us today because uh, Pastor Harold and his wife are so proud that uh, uh, they've got uh, not only their children uh, and their grandchild, but grandchildren with them today. So that, that's, that's pretty, pretty exciting. Amen. Well, I want to talk with you this morning about faith in a dry place. You ever been there where your, your spiritual life seems to be dry because you don't see, you know, the manifestations or whatever taking place? And, and I think so often when we're in that dry place, we begin to look at it and we think that we've, we don't have enough faith or our faith isn't strong enough or, um, you know, we, we start examining everything. But you know what I want us to see this morning is that if you're born again, you have enough faith. You have enough faith for whatever circumstance comes against you. You know, and so the key in, in, our, in our faith walk is always consistency. That we have that kind of a commitment that we're, we're consistent whether we see it or not. That isn't what determines whether or not we're walking in faith. What determines that we're walking in faith is what we know. And what we know is what the Word of God says. And so, <clears throat> if we feel like we're losing hope, hope is the substance of things, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It isn't that we're lacking faith, it's, it's that we may be lacking confidence. And the reason that we need that confidence is that to, to win, we can't quit. And every one of you in this room this morning is a winner. Everybody say, I'm a, I'm a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner because of what Jesus has done for you. And the only way that any of us can possibly fail or not win is for us to quit. And we're not going to quit. Amen? 
even in the dry places, we're going to continue uh, to, to move forward. We're not going to be moved by our feelings. We're going to be moved by what we know, by what, what the Word of God says about us. And so, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Romans, the 12th chapter. <clears throat> Romans, the 12th chapter, and I'm going to read the third verse. Romans 12, 3. And so Paul says, For I say, through the grace given to me. Notice it's the grace that's been given to him. Each one of us, grace, through our Lord Jesus Christ, has been given to each and every one of us. And so for, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, so everyone that's among us, so I guess that's speaking to each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. So that's speaking to me, that's speaking to you. To everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, <clears throat> we think of that oftentimes from the standpoint of arrogance or pride or something like that. But you know, <clears throat> where we think highly of ourselves is when we think we know better than God. We know more than God. And so he says, don't think more highly than, of yourself than you ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one, my translation says, a measure of faith. I believe a more trans, accurate translation would be the measure of faith. And so each and every one of us, we have been dealt a measure of faith. All of us have been given the same measure of faith. You know, Brother Hagen always said, <clears throat> you know, I don't have more faith than y'all. I've just decided to do something with mine. And see, that's what the faith is. What do we do with our faith? Do we use our faith? Do we have an expectation that what God has said in his word that he's going to perform, that he's going to do it? Because that's what faith is. According to the grace that's been given to us. Because see, grace is God's part. Grace is everything that God has done for you and I. For by grace we've been saved. For by grace, healing, deliverance, prosperity, salvation, all of that has been delivered to each and every one of us by the grace of God. But we appropriate it, we receive it by faith. And we've all been given the measure of faith that each and every one of us, we're able to appropriate, we're able to receive what Jesus has done for us. You see, it's not based on what we see, it's based on what we know. And oftentimes we hear it before we see it. It tells us in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so once again, that's why hearing the Word is so important because faith comes as we hear that Word. You know, when you plant, and we're getting to that time of the year here in Iowa where we begin to plant, but you know what? You don't see immediate results. You don't see, you put that seed in the ground and you don't see immediate results. And the reason that you don't see the immediate results is that that root goes down 
before the stem goes up. If it was the other way around, we would lose it. And oftentimes, when it appears that we're in a dry place, when nothing's happening, what's happening is our roots are going down. Our roots are going deep. And it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Because that's what's going to sustain us. You know, why is it that an oak tree is able to stand through the storm? It's because of the root system. Because the roots go deep. Why is it that when the storm of life comes against us, because they will come? Why is it that we're able to stand? Because our roots have been gone deep. Our deep roots are in Christ and in the Word. And so it doesn't matter what we see with our physical eyes. What matters is what we know. And what we know is what the Word of God says to us. It's not just a hoping and a praying. It's a believing something. It's believing what the Word of God says about each and every one of us. Let's turn to the book of Matthew, the 14th chapter. You know, we need to come to the place, or have to come to the place, where we trust the promises that have been given to us. Because when we begin to trust those promises and we begin to stand upon those promises, it doesn't matter what comes against us. We're going to be able to stand. Well, here in Matthew, the 14th chapter and the 22nd verse, Jesus has just ministered to the thousands. And so he's about to close the service. And in the 20th, 22nd verse, he says, and immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he, sent, while he sent the multitude away. And so he sent him out. They took off. And then he, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. You know, isn't it interesting? Jesus, the Son of God, who had never been out of the truly out of the presence of God Almighty because he always was and always will be. But he spent all eternity past in the presence of God, the Father. Yet Jesus, every time he had an opportunity, he got off by himself to pray. Couldst it be that it's important for us when we have the opportunity to get off by ourselves and pray, to fellowship with the Father. If there was anybody that ever walked upon the face of this earth that wouldn't have needed, you think, to spend time in prayer and spend time in fellowship with the Father, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus recognized the need. And so you see it over and over again in the scriptures when he had an opportunity. He got off by himself and he prayed, but that's not what we're talking about today. That's for another time. And it says, now when evening came, he was alone there. You know, sometimes we need to be alone with him. Sometimes we have to get away from all the distractions because this world is full of distractions. But the boat, and that's what his disciples was in, were in, was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. So there was a storm that came up. 
and the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. Bunch of spiritual folk, weren't they? Well, really what they were saying, it's a phantom. Because the, the fishermen of the day believed that when they were about to be in a shipwreck and they were about to lose their life, um, the phantom would show up to take them. And so the reason that they were so fearful, it wasn't just because of the storm. It was because they thought they were dead meat because the phantom had come to get them. And so they were full of fear. And they cried out for fear. And immediately, I like Jesus being immediate. And immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. <laughs> what? We're in the middle of a storm, we see the phantom, and we're supposed to be of good cheer. Jesus said, be of good cheer. There's a reason why we can always be of good cheer. Because we have the promise. They forgot about the promise. They forgot about the command. Jesus didn't tell them to go to the middle of the sea and die. He told, told them to get in the boat and cross over to the other side. They forgot about that. They stopped thinking about Jesus and they began to dwell upon their circumstances. And so Jesus says, be of good cheer. We ought to be in good cheer. We know some things that ought to make us really happy. And that's what Jesus has done for us. You know, if you want to be happy, uh, you need to go periodically and just sit down and visit with Pastor and Mrs. Pope. I went and saw them Friday and <clears throat> it's impossible. You hear me? It's impossible to leave that household and not be happy. You know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm the pastor. You know, you're supposed to go minister to folk and so forth. I live there, leave there, and I'm ministered to. You know, and that's how it ought to be. When we enter into one another's presence, there ought to be good cheer, not sorrow and misery. There ought to be good cheer, and that's what Jesus is saying: be of good cheer, don't fear. And then he goes. Uh, and then we have uh, our good friend, Peter. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And then Peter had come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. <clears throat> How many of you have seen pictures of Peter on the water? <clears throat> I think every picture that I've seen of G Peter on the water, he's sinking. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Peter walked on the water. I don't know if he took one step. I don't know if he took two steps, three steps. I don't know how many steps he took. But Peter walked on the water. The only time... Well, I take that back. There are two times I've walked on water. One was when I was skiing and I forgot to let loose of the rope. 
you know, took a few steps there. The other time was when we went to the, the mouth of the Mississippi and they showed me where the rocks were. I said, Peter walked on water. Jesus said, come, and he got out and he began to walk on the water. Everybody say, Peter was walking on the water. Because I think that's important for us to realize this. It's impossible for people, for man to walk on water, but Peter walked on water because Jesus said, come. Jesus has said, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How can I do that? I've got all these circumstances in my life. Jesus said, come. That circumstance is no different than walking on water. Just don't date, get your eyes off of Jesus. Because see, that's what happened to Peter. He started walking on the water, but then he says, it says concerning him, um, got to find my place. And he said, come. And then Peter came down out of the boat and he walked in the water to go to Jesus. But when he, Peter, saw the wind, you're in the middle of a lake. How much wind are you going to see with your physical eye? But he saw the wind. He saw the results of the wind. But he didn't see the wind. We see things going on around us that aren't really there. It's like in the psalm where it says, Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow, it's not real. But we buy it as being real. We accept it as being real. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. You know, of course, we all know you can't walk on water when it's windy. <laughs> Amen. Any other time we can walk on... <laughs> He's walking on water. But now I can't because it's windy. And he cried out and he said, Lord, save me. Oh, isn't that a wonderful prayer? Yeah. You know, one of my favorite prayers is, Lord, help. And you know what? He'll never turn it down. And it says, immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him and he said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then they got into the boat and the wind ceased. You know, we look at this and we say, the problem was that Peter didn't have enough faith. He had small faith. No, the problem was because he had enough faith. He walked on water. He had enough faith. The problem was his faith didn't sustain him. His faith wasn't constant. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, that's when our faith works. And it isn't about having great faith or little faith. It's about focusing upon Jesus. And recognizing that no matter what the circumstance is, Jesus is greater, bigger, mightier than any circumstance that I can encounter. 
You see, it isn't enough to just simply cry out in fear. You got to look back to Jesus once again. What happens when we're in that dry place? Why are we in that dry place? Oftentimes we're in that dry place because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. Sometimes we're in that dry place because it's a growing season. And we don't see anything with our physical eyes. And because we don't see nothing, we don't see something, we think that nothing's happening. Well, let me tell you something. Something's happening. Your roots are going deep. Let me, you know, <clears throat> some of the most significant times in our Christian growth is when we see nothing. You know what? I don't know if you've realized this or not. It's, it's easy to believe when everything that you want to happen is happening. But it gets more complicated, it gets more difficult when you don't see it with your physical eyes. When you have to, when you've done all to stand, to stand therefore, knowing that even though I don't see anything, I know that my roots are going deep. Because ultimately, it's those deep roots that are going to sustain us. We need to send our roots deep and we need to realize that in every situation, I can trust in Jesus because ultimately, you see, it isn't about me, it's about Jesus. And when I begin to talk about little faith and, and, and those sorts of things, my focus gets, gets off of Jesus and it gets back onto me. You see, I know that I have enough faith to do whatever it is that Jesus has asked me to do. And so do you. But you know what? The enemy comes along on a regular basis, determined to convince me that I can't do it. And he's determined to convince you that you can't do it as well. Peter walked on water. He was able to step out in faith and walk on water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But you know what he did? He took his eyes off of Jesus. We're kind of in the same boat or category oftentimes as the apostles. Because they had a difficulty, they had a problem understanding faith. Turn your Bibles to Luke, the 15th chapter. In Luke, the 15th chapter and, and the 5th verse, Jesus here is explaining faith. To his disciples because they didn't understand it. They're, they're kind of like us. Well, you got to have enough faith. You got to have more faith. The more you do, the greater faith you have to have. You know, you, you take T.O. Osborne and the marvelous things that he did in his evangelistic missionary work. He must have had great faith. Well, he did have great faith. But it wasn't because he had more faith, it was because he did something with the faith that he had. And he believed that God would make the difference. And that's where we need to be. But in Luke, the 15th chapter, and the 17th verse, and so Jesus is explaining faith to his apostles. And he says, but when he came to him, he said, how many of my father, no, this is, that's not right. 
17. You know, it's funny how the right chapter makes a difference. Here we go. Chapter 17, verse 5. Yeah, that sounds more like it. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. You know, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I just need more faith. Well, and then when I talk with them, what I find out is the problem is, is they have no hope. Was hope important? Of course hope is important. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so if we don't have hope in our life, we have nothing for faith to give substance to. And so hope is important so that we can take our faith and believe. You read the Word of God and, you know, you don't immediately get faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. But on, on the majority of the time, we don't see something one time and immediately we believe it with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our mind. But it begins to produce hope in our life. The more that we look at it and the more hope we get at, at, at some point, that faith takes a hold of it. I hear that by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed, and could that be for me? And hope begins to rise up on the inside of me. And then one day I read it, and for by the stripes of Jesus I've been healed. And I know that that belongs to me, and so faith reaches out and takes a hold of that hope that's been rising up on the inside of me. And that's why it's so important for us to stay in the Word of God. Because it takes that which is merely hope and it takes it to that next level where it becomes faith. And when we have faith, our desire out of love is to please God. That's why it says faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And why is love the greatest of those? Because with love we take our faith to receive that which God has provided for this lost and dying world. Because we love the world, we evangelize the world. And we do it by faith, by believing what the Word of God says is true. And so the apostles said to him, increase our faith. And so Jesus, or excuse me, so the Lord said, which is Jesus, and he begins to teach them. And he says, if you have faith, as a mustard seed. He basically used the smallest item that he could think of. If you have, and, and that they would identify with. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mulberry bush, mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him? Now remember, he's teaching, he's answering the question about increasing our faith. And he says, but he... <clears throat> But will he not rather say to him, 
prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk. And afterward, you will eat and drink. Does he, does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I think not. So likewise, so he's showing us a type or a comparison. So he says, so likewise you, when if you have done all those things which you command, say, he will un, he, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. And so we have a right, a responsibility to work our faith. That faith is a servant for us that we can serve or that we can do and accomplish the will of God. That's what faith is all about. Faith isn't about serving myself. Faith is about using that which God has commanded me so that I can, I can serve others. You know, it's an interesting thing in the kingdom of God. When we lose sight of serving others, we lose sight of the gospel. Because what the gospel is, what it's all about is us being men and women of faith so that we can serve God, but we ultimately serve God by serving one another. You know, the last couple of weeks I've talked about the significance and the importance of the church. Why is the, the physical church, not talking about the building, I'm talking about us as believers. Why is the physical church so important? Because without it, we'll lose sight and we'll fail to serve one another. What'll happen it'll, is it'll all become about me and I'll lose sight of everybody else. But you see, it's not about me. It's number one, it's first of all, it's about Jesus. But then it's about Jesus working through me so that I might serve others. And anytime we lose that, talk about a dry place. That's where we will be as individuals and that's where the church will be. It'll be a dry place. And so the very focus of the church is, is always to be outward. That's why missions is such a big part of our church. That's why prison ministry is such a big part of our church. It's, it's reaching out. It's touching lives. It's touching others. And you know, we need a myself included, we need a greater vision of that so that we reach out into this community because they need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. What would we do without him? And so what Jesus is talking about here as he's teaching his disciples, he's basically saying, you have enough faith in you even if it's the size of a mustard seed, there's enough faith in you to move the mulberry tree. There's enough faith in you 
to serve and accomplish the will and the purpose and the plan of God for you in your life. But see, we've got to come to the place where we believe it. But you know what? Oftentimes we get caught up between the sowing time and the harvest because there isn't enough going on in here. But yet that growing time is, is so very, very important. You know, <clears throat> Jerry Savella, he said, you know, the most difficult time of faith is from the amen to the there it is. You know, it's, it's easy to look in the Word of God and so, to find the promises. Well, it ought to be easy. It's right there in front of our face. We can find it. And so it's easy to pray that and amen, hallelujah, glory to God. I know it belongs to me. Thank you, Jesus. Where is it? Because we don't see it immediately. That's what he's saying. The difficult time is from the amen to the there it is. How many of you know that there it is? Once you see it manifest, you don't have to believe for it anymore. If you're, if you're believing for something you already have, you probably need to check something out. The difficult time is in between when the roots are going deep. That's the difficult time that when you've done all to stand, to stand there for and not to lose hope, not to lose direction. That's what's being spoken of of Abraham in Romans, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse. Because remember, Abraham, the promise was given to him, <clears throat> what was it, 20 years or 30 years? I, I don't remember right now. Before he saw the manifestation of the promise, I think it was 20 years. The, the son was promised to him. But he had all that time before he saw the manifestation of it. And it says concerning him, in Romans 4.17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom I, he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And so that's what happens during that in-between time. That's where we call those things that we don't see yet in the physical but we know it is because God's not a man that he should lie. And when he says that it belongs to us, it belongs to us whether we see it or not. We're not moved by those things. In Hebrews 6, 15, it says, And so, after he had patiently, oh, don't you just hate that word? I mean, one of the most despised words in the English language is patience. Oh, just be patient. Oh, just take a hike. You know, I mean, what an irritating word. I mean, the very sound of it is irritating. Patience. But what does he say? He says, so after he had patiently endured... After the amen, that's where we patiently endure. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. In other words, he saw the manifestation of the promise 
in his life. And that's what we're patiently enduring for. The promise. But that's why we, first of all, we have to know what the promise is. And then we have to know that that promise is for me, it belongs to me, it's mine. And so once I've claimed that promise, then I patiently endure. What do I endure? The lack of seeing it with my physical eyes. I endure until I see the manifestation of it. I can still see Dorothy when she was on her deathbed and she just couldn't wait, couldn't wait to see Jesus. And she wasn't very patient about it. <laughs> we were sitting there in her room and she's sitting there and she would nap and we just sat there and eventually she would wake up and she'd look around the room and she'd say, why am I still here? <laughs> but see, that was the difficult part. She was ready to be on the other side. She longed for the other, other side. And like I said, she wasn't very, well, if you know Dorothy, you know she wasn't very patient. But she got there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But see, that's how it is with all of the promises of God. We have that promise. And why do we, why do we patiently endure until we cross over to the other side? Because why am I still here? We're still here because he's not done with us yet. It isn't just done doing what he wants to do in our lives, but he's not done what he wants to do through our lives. I don't know about you, when he's done with me, I just want to split this scene. I mean, why in the world would I want to hang out here when I can hang out in Jesus, in heaven? Amen. Thank you for that rousing ovation. <clears throat> Obviously, you are a whole lot younger than I am. But, I, but why hang out here if we can be in his presence, is what I think. Unless he's got something more for us to do. And as long as he's got something more for us to do, we patiently endure this life knowing that there's going to be something achieved by my being here. He's got a purpose for it. We need to verbally declare our faith, what Jesus has done for us. And I think sometimes we have a hard time doing that. But we need to get accustomed to opening our mouths and speaking out what Jesus has truly done for us because it's in the speaking, but then we're also hearing it. And it does something when we, when we hear it. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life. What we say is so very important. So what we need to say is that which is in line with the word of God. 
Patience is faith applied over a long period of time. That's what patience is. You know, another translation of patience or definition of patience is, is to be persistent. To be the same way no matter what. Whether we see the manifestation immediately or we've got to stand as Abraham did for 20 years. We believe the promise and we refuse to move off of it. We must use patience when exercising our faith and not allow our faith to fail us. How does faith fail us? Faith doesn't fail, but we fail to continue to stand in belief. You know, Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up the gift within you that has been given to you through the laying on of hands. But that was a specific gift that was given to him through the laying on of hands. But you know what? Each and every one of us, we have gifts within us. And we need to stir them up. How do we stir it up? We stir it up by reading the word, by confessing the word. We stir it up by praying in tongues and just praying and getting into the presence of God. What are we doing? We're stirring up those promises. You know, because it's a whole lot easier to believe when you've been stirred up than when you're sitting in a dry place. Well, the dry places are going to come, but the way that we make it through it is by being obedient and doing what the Word of God says. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the 35th verse, it says, Therefore, do not cast aside your confidence. That's the number one thing the enemy wants you to do is cast aside your confidence. You know, we read earlier not to think of yourself more highly than you ought. But you know what? You're not supposed to think more lowly of yourself than you're supposed to either. You know, we're, we're not necessarily to have confidence in self. But my confidence is in what Jesus has done for me. And that's where your confidence is to lie. In what Jesus has done for me. And so just because circumstances don't light, line up, I don't cast aside my confidence because I keep my eyes fixed on him. And so therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Whew. Don't cast away your confidence, because in keeping your confidence in the completed works of Jesus, there's great reward. There's great reward, for you have need. <laughs> oh, there it is just in another form. For you have need of endurance. Julie, just think if Virginia hadn't endured last night. <laughs> last second. They endured to the end. I just wish Michigan State had done a little bit more enduring. <laughs> but see, whatever it is that we're doing to, to come through victoriously... We have to endure to the end. That's how it is with Jesus. We endure to the end. We cross the finish line. It isn't how you start the race. 
It's how you finish the race. And the exciting thing about our race, each one of us, as we finish that race, we're a winner. I don't know where I come in. There's millions of people that have crossed that line before me. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to believe billions that have crossed that line before me. But you know what? It doesn't matter. When I cross that line, the grandstands of heaven are going to say, glory to God, he made it. <laughs> Who would have ever thought? And that's how it is for each and every one of us. When we finish the race, we finish it victoriously. And so with endurance, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Glory to God. The promises have been given to us. And we're going to finish that race. We have confidence in what Jesus has accomplished, what he's done for us. And we refuse to move from that. Great reward. You know, the greatest reward we're ever going to receive is when we cross over and we see Jesus face to face. That's the ultimate reward. But you know what? According to the word of God, we don't have to wait till then to experience his abundant blessing in our life. Because he wants to bless us. And the Bible says he wants to bless us above and beyond what we could ever think, dream, or imagine. I don't know about you. I got a big imagination. And God says what he wants to do in my life and in your life is bigger than that. That I can't think that big. So in Hebrews 4.11 it says, Let us therefore be diligent. And so what he's telling us is diligence requires effort. Amen? Diligence requires effort. And so he says, let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest. Notice it doesn't say be diligent to develop greater faith. It says be diligent to enter into the rest. How do we enter into the rest? The rest that the Bible is talking about is that, that rest, that knowing that Jesus has done it all. But you know what? The world, the flesh, and the devil wants to get you out of rest. And the way it gets you out of rest is to thinking that you have to do it. Rather than relaxing and realizing that Jesus has already done it all. Now I appropriate it, I receive it by faith, that's my part. And then stand believing 
But I do it in a restful manner. You know how you know when you're, at, when you're walking in faith? You're in peace. You're at rest. You're knowing it's already done. Somebody trying to tell me something? I guess it's, I thought it was weights. Distractions. Got to look out for the distractions. Because it'll get you out of rest. I thought somebody was telling me I needed to do something. You know, and that's what we... Who said that? It's where the church has been. For generations now. Constantly doing to get what Jesus has already done for us. Rather than recognizing that Jesus has already done it. We need to position ourselves to receive it. And then once we've received it, to continue to walk in it. One last verse out of Luke, the 18th chapter in the first verse. And it says, Then he spoke a parable to them, speaking of his disciples, that men always, always ought to pray and not lose heart. So one of the things that it tells us is that prayer and not losing heart go hand in hand with one another. You understand what I mean by prayer? I, I'm not saying that you've got to find a mountain someplace to go up and, and be alone and pray, although that's not a bad idea. But what I'm saying is that, that prayer is with us constantly communicating with Him. The Bible says that we're to pray without ceasing. That means we're to pray continuously. And so I don't believe that it's saying that I've got to constantly be verbalizing a prayer to God. But my thoughts need to be upon Him. My focus needs to be upon Him because when it is and something happens in my life, rather than my last response, my first response is going to be, God, how am I going to make it through this? I know that you will empower me, that you will strengthen me. And so I'm going to trust you completely. Faith in the dry place. This is what I want you to know. When it seems to be dry, don't ever begin to declare, I guess I have no faith. You have faith. It's working in your life. And probably more than any other time, that's where you need to focus on the fact that you have faith. That even though my faith in the eyes of myself, the world, and the devil may be the size of a mustard seed, I can speak to that situation. And that situation has to pick up and move. I don't care how deep its roots go. You may have situations and circumstances in your life that have been there and those roots of that have gone deep in your life. But let me tell you something. It's no match for your faith in the completed works of Jesus because Jesus has already done it all.
Glory. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, I done preached myself happy, so I guess we can quit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He's so wonderful. He's so loving. He's so good. He's done it for you and me. So, Father, I thank you that in every situation, in every circumstance, we can put our trust, our confidence in you. And, Father, by the precious Holy Spirit who lives and abides within each and every one of us to strengthen us, to encourage us, Father, no matter what the circumstance is, we can, we can make it through to the end till we see the harvest. Because, Father, we don't dig up the seed. We water it. We feed it. We encourage it. And that seed, its roots run deep. So that, Father, we're equipped to deal with any circumstance that comes our way. But it's not because of us. It's because of you. It's because of your son, Jesus. And it's because you sent your Holy Spirit to live and abide in us. And so we give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you for never leaving us, for never forsaking us even though we may have strayed away you never stray and so we thank you in the name of Jesus amen and so as you go go in his peace his strength his love go in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost in the marvelous name of Jesus amen God bless you give somebody a hug let them know you love them